Navigating Life's Trickiest Transitions with Confidence and Courage, featuring Abigail G. Manning. Join us for a conversation as we explore the art of navigating life's trickiest transitions with confidence and courage. Abigail will share her insights and actionable tips on how to rise to challenges, reframe setbacks, communicate confidently, adopt healthy habits, slay stress, and build connections. Whether you're facing academic milestones, transitioning from military to veteran life, or overcoming personal tragedies, this discussion will equip you with the tools and strategies you need to navigate life's transitions with ease and confidence. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Let me introduce today's guest. Abigail G. Manning, the founder of Create Awareness, Change Lives, is a highly regarded keynote speaker and expert in professional development and personal empowerment. With her extensive experience and expertise, she delivers impactful speeches that inspire and enlighten audiences around the world. Abigail's double major in cognitive communication, and behavioral sciences from Indiana University provide her with the necessary skills to become an expert in her field. Her personal experiences overcoming childhood abuse, domestic violence, post-traumatic stress, and dyslexia have helped her develop innovative life skills to help others thrive personally and professionally. As an experienced two-time entrepreneur, Abigail enjoys working with emerging leaders and offers a curriculum that combines life lessons with academic education. Through her storytelling and powerful takeaways, she helps individuals lead themselves and others towards lifelong success. Please help me welcome Ms. Abigail Manning. Hi, Abigail. Hi, April. Thank you so much for having me on your wonderful program. I'm excited for our conversation today. I am too. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. It's exciting to see you and to share your story. So thank you so much for being here with us today. So outside of that awesome biography, you've got so many gifts to offer the world with education and life stories. You're a brilliant storyteller. Would you mind sharing a little bit about 
maybe from the beginning. Let's start with childhood. We talked a little bit in the biography that that wasn't the easiest road for you. Absolutely. And I think a lot of it does start in childhood. Yes. <laughs> and we can either learn from it. We can become victims from it. We can become champions from it. We can ignore it and it come back later in life. Um, or we can use it as a launching tool. Um, I chose to try to always understand why people act the way they do, mm. why people think the way they do, how people think so drastically different than myself, like where are they coming from, right? Where is that point of connection and understanding? So even as a little eight-year-old, um, I stood in front of my bedroom mirror. As you mentioned, I grew up with childhood abuse by both my parents. And um, I stood in front of my bedroom mirror and I made a vow that this ends with me. Um, and so I wanted to understand that. And it's been a long, <laughs> bumpy, hard journey to get there. And you mentioned some of my college double major, and I was fascinated being able to study the science behind the you know, cognitive and communication and why people behave the way they do. Um, and it was fascinating to me. And so what I did is because of the bumps and um, how hard it was and many different times in my life, um, something else in the bio it doesn't mention right away, though, is I, you know, as a solo parent of two kids, age five and two, until they were adults, there, you know, there you ran a company through a housing recession, like there were a lot of hiccups. And so my goal is, is I put together this curriculum um, through this company that I started six years ago, and to help others, to help others learn how to shorten the learning curve, how to flatten out those bumps how to lift yourself up when you're feeling the lows, how to celebrate the highs, like the good that we do, and how to make it uh, better, more. Um... Our lives were never the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast. And my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. For individuals. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Yes. A culture for individuals and organizations. Yeah. And I'm going to bring you back to something that you said. I want to rehash that again because at eight years old, to stand in front of the mirror and say this ends with me is really something very profound for somebody at that age group. And I agree with you when we really question and there's that curiosity piece with wanting to learn why people do the things they do, think the way they think, respond in whatever manner it is that they're responding in is a, a, a cue that that is an individual that is a life learner and they just utilize that curiosity in order to better themselves and understand the world around them. I love that you use the word curiosity because curiosity is the opposite of judgment, 
right? It's mm-hmm. not coming in with my own thoughts, like my own perspectives and my own, what I came from and what I know and what I've experienced in the world and projecting it on somebody else or not hearing because I put these filters on in my ears and, and sunglasses over my eyes and I'm not understanding. Curiosity means I can ask hard questions. I can say, does that work for you? I can say, tell me more. And it's not judgmental. And the key is, and people feel comfortable sharing it. So the fact that I've done so much work on myself to get over all those hurdles um, means that other people say, you know what? I believe you and I want to do the same. There's so many amazingly brave people in the world. And all we need is someone who says, you know, you can do this. And um, it's not as scary as it looks like to go back and look to see why do I think the way I do? Um and that's the, my pr- curriculum on purple threads. But I know people say that all the time, April, that eight is so young. But when you've been through life trauma, it hits home. So if you think mm. whose parent died when they were eight, you think about someone who's lost their home, it burned down when they were eight, right? Those are things then that get locked in your head, that they become part of who you are and how you see the world. Like you grow up fast when mm. you big time trauma. Because um, I know a lot of people like eight, really at eight, you know, and I've worked with a lot of people who are at even a younger age. Um, remember specifically, like that was the moment. Yeah, yeah. profound moment. I made a decision to yeah. be wholesome and well, you know, uh, thriving life. Right. That defining moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so you seem like this very courageous person who who really has just you know, been resilient through so many things. Was there ever a point, Abigail, that, and and maybe I dare to say, but that almost broke you? Uh, A moment? Yes. Many moments? Absolutely. (laughs) Too many moments to count? A hundred percent. Life is hard. Life is hard. And when you were told from a very young age, and you completely believe that you're not smart enough, good enough, talented enough, Mm. likable enough, um, those different attributes that purple threads, uh, limiting personal thoughts that you have running through your head, it makes it even harder, right? But thankfully, I do have that resilience. I do have that go fight win in me. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. But I also know I really nurture it. I focus on it. There's many times um, I felt absolutely defeated. Um, I also had two little kids looking up at me and I knew as a role model, I had to be the difference. I had to make the difference for them. Um, And then the people around me, I've always had a team, um, employees who work for me that I felt I needed to lead that go fight win for them as well. And I'm much better when I have people behind me that I'm responsible for than the dreaded, we were talking about transitions and the dreaded empty nest syndrome (laughs) where you're kind of on your own. Um, and yeah, that's where I developed the three-part series of the first part is purple threads, the second is adverse spiral, and the third is think, say, do skills. I use my think, say, do skills all the time. Like just this morning, it was Monday. It came around really fast on Monday morning, and I made myself go to the gym. And that is one of the best things I can do is get out in sunshine, get to the gym, work out hard. Um, but yeah, there's many times in my life that, especially when I was in the pit of PTS, that I felt absolutely defeated. Mm. Well, if you're comfortable with it, maybe telling us a little bit about that story. Um, yeah, I don't really share too much of it. It's uh, domestic violence. And so I did a LEDX talk for Air University one time on mm-hmm. it. It's out there on YouTube if people want to know more details. Um, my That was after my divorce. And um, I was raising my kids for a long time by myself. And my significant other, he and I were partners for four and a half years. And there was a lot of tumultuous kind of 
um, you know, personality of him. And so then I would remove myself from this, the relationship and then he'd work on himself and then come back. So until you really understand gaslighting and especially a child who's been groomed, it's hard to put all the pieces together until you do all the work. And then in hindsight, of course, where we kick ourselves, which I tell people, please don't do that. You only know what you know, and you can just work to be your best version. Um, in hindsight, now it's so easy to see it. But when I was in it, I didn't mm -hmm. see it. And one night he got extremely um, violent. It was um, a hand-to-hand, -hand basically combat. I work with military and I think it's fair. They will say, yes, that was combat that you've been through. Um, and it was um, survival for my life. I'm lucky to be alive. Um, and then there was the protection orders and then he became a stalker. So when you live in fear, anybody who's been through PTS will know, some people say PTSD. Um, I don't think it's a disorder. I think it's a totally normal response to abnormal mm -hmm. situations, high levels of stress. I like that you say that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because yeah. if you say it's a disorder, who's going to raise their hand, right? Right. And um, disorder sounds like it's going to be with you the rest of your life. And no, but a natural response to this is a very human reaction that that will follow you until you learn the tools and techniques to lessen it, then absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's a very natural response mm -hmm. um, and you can absolutely overcome it. So there was a long time where I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I jumped at everything. Um, yeah. Very scared, very um, unsafe in every single circumstance. Kind of like if I was in a Starbucks, that was, you know, um, high alert mode, high, high alert mode, constantly being triggered into fight, flight, freezer, fawn, like, you know, and I, I could do all of those. <laughs> In a matter of seconds, you know, go from fight to like, oh my God, I'm scared back to like freeze. What do I do? Um, it was emotionally extremely hard. And so when I work with people, they can instantly say, yeah, I get it. I understand it. And you really can overcome it. I'm like, absolutely. You can overcome it. There are amazing organizations. There's amazing tools out there. So whatever people are facing, there is a modality that will help you. And it may be one, it may be 20. And it may not be my favorite one. It may be somebody else's favorite one, right? So don't quit on yourself. Keep looking, keep trying, keep digging, keep believing in yourself. You deserve to be happy and healthy and whole and to take what you learned and to help other people around you. So Abigail, thank you so much for sharing that. I And I know that you know the power of that and sharing that. And so I greatly appreciate it because there's, so many people out there that are going through right now or have gone through those traumatic experiences. And it helps incredibly when they hear that other people have gone through it too and have come out of it. So thank you again for sharing that. It is a completely natural response for us to react in such a way where we go into this fear based mode because it, it is, you know, when you're in the fight for your life. So that said, I want to bring into, let's start talking about what you are, what you have created, because now that you've experienced all of these things, it has really driven you to come to some conclusions on how to be able to be of service to yourself and others. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. I can see my logo up there. So I designed it. I believe in color theory. So there's a lot of meaning behind color in this. Mm -hmm. um, 
the talents. There's tons and tons. I'm, I'm a very like for what you see, there's hopefully a lot, a lot more deeper levels to everything. My parenting was always that way. My kids call me sneaky parenting because I always had like 10 takeaways for each life lesson that I was trying to instill. We weren't just raking leaves to rake leaves, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so when you look at the logo, creative awareness changed lives, I was like, okay, what is my mission? And my mission isn't to take on other people's problem. My mission is not a therapist. My mission is to create awareness in your own self. We kind of push things down and to the side until they come front and center. So if we can create awareness about what might be holding us back, what is our limiting thinking? Um, why am I in a negative cycle? Why am I um, not able to move forward? Why do I ruminate? Or do I even know what ruminate means? Um, so my goal is to be able to create that awareness. And then the three dots you see is kind of like a bridge. And then as a team with the people I work with, it's their responsibility to change their life. And one of the things I've always been is a protector and a provider. Um, so the, the feet, the talons on him are one is for protection and one is for providing. So it's not um, shocking to me that I actually work a lot with military who are some of our biggest protector and providers that are out there. But I think if I can encourage people to like, just be curious, as you said earlier, be curious about where can I have more awareness about what's my everyday routine? What's my everyday thought? What's even going on in my head? Um, and then how can I change my life in little ways, in big ways? How can I empower myself? And maybe it's to paint a room, a beautiful color that you love. Maybe it's to find a logo or a symbol that you wear as a piece of jewelry or you have as a notebook in front of you that inspires you to try harder, to learn more, to change your life in a better way. Mm, I love that. The reminders, mm. you know, when we put ourselves and surround ourselves around things and people that remind us that this is how we want to think and be and show up. That's incredible. I love the color therapy and you've put so much thought into this logo, including the, the title, the branding, the bridge with the dot, 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 an incredible amount of thought behind this. So I'm curious, do each of the colors represent anything to you? Well, they do. And the, you know, they all have different color. And so what I can do is break it down to people, like what's meaningful to you. And if you'll see it's radiant, right? So yeah. when we own our own true colors, we shine. And we're not always going to be wonderful. We're not always going to be this gorgeous bird like this eagle, right? We're going to be beat up and missing feathers and we're going to be dirty and rain soaked and, mm -hmm. and that's okay. But when we own who we are and we own our thoughts, then we can be anything that we really want to be. We can spread our wings. We can fly high. We can feel self-empowered. Um, and the gold in the middle, the yellow and sunshine and happiness and joy um, and that to me, that's a color that represents like all of us coming together under one like golden sun and that because unity and belonging, I saw in your intro that you had togetherness and love yourself. Love that because that's what this is about is not feeling threatened by other people, but like everyone can spread their wings, but yet we're all united in some way. So for example, if fuchsia in the top tip of one of the wings is your favorite color, we can find a point of connection based on just one little thing about each other. Um, hmm. Yeah. Connection is, is huge. It's definitely one of those things. I, I love the yellow, the sun to me, it reminds me and tell me if, if you integrate this in any of that, but when you think about the chakra system, that's the, uh, 
the, oh my goodness, the solar plexus area. So, which I always envision is the sun. It's this beaming, bright, light, yellow. And so that's very, very cool. Well, I love that you see, and that's where everybody can see something different, right? Yeah. So my friends who are into yoga and things like that, they'll say that. And then other people who are science-based will say something else. And then people who are in architect design, they'll say something else. And the point is to be able to connect with one another. Um, and so part of, you said slay stress in that workshop that I've done, I've taught it several times at USAFA, the Air Force Academy to cadets. I have them draw their own logos. I have them draw mm. their own superheroes, something they can lock in their head and they can remember when they're going to go take a test or they're doing something new for the first time. What's that image that you have, right? Like we all look up to these like movie stars and Superman and Wonder Woman and whoever else is out there, right? We look yeah. up to them look up to ourselves and say, this is within me. This is inside of me. And, yeah. and um, believe deeply in ourselves and then help others. Cause then you have lots left over to help all the people around you. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, when we come back from this first commercial, I want to dig a little bit deeper into what, what it is that you do with people. I love that you do a lot in the classroom. Very curious about what brought you into the military life. So when we come back, stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. KimJacobsConsulting.com. You know, people say opportunity knocks on every door. Right. No. Opportunity stands by silently waiting for you to recognize it. So I want you to recognize that this is a time for you, this is an incredible time to have your own talk show. It establishes a level of credibility. Yes. And by being exposed to people on a regular basis, it allows you to strategically begin to impact and attract your audience. She can take you in a place in yourself that you can't go by yourself. So go to Kim Jacobs consulting.com. That's Kim Jacobs consulting.com. Did I say Kim Jacobs consulting.com? Yes, you did. Very good. Make sure you go there and sign up for the coaching. And we're looking forward to working with you. You have something special. You have greatness within you. So, so I would like to know a little bit how did you initially get involved with the military what drew you to that 
Yeah. Well, I love, and I love that last line. You have greatness within you. Yeah. Uh, it, it ties into that. So when my son was leaving, so my daughter is the oldest and then I have a son. Um, they both are U.S. Marines. And when my son was leaving, he's like, mom, you are going to tank as a empty nester. Cause he knew my, my life mission from the time I was little, he knew how I was committed to ending the cycles. He knew that I was a, a single parent to a dad who abandoned, you know, his children and mm -hmm. that I did both. And then I, we talked a lot and there, I talked about these ideas and these concepts so I could explain tough conversations about believing in yourself and about bullies in school and about how do you overcome hardships and hurdles and how do you see it coming so you can slow it down and react to it so you don't run straight into the hurdle, right? And you can have the confidence that you're going to jump over it or the intelligence. You're like, I don't need to jump over. I can go around it, right? Or <laughs> whatever it is you want to do. Um, and so when he was leaving, he was like, mom, all of our friends come over and ask you for this stuff to talk more about your purple threads. He's like, I think you have a whole program. So I was going to do it for one year as a thank you back initially to the crisis center that really helped me. Um, they work with women and families. And then it just launched from there. Um, it was 300 people in the audience. It was their gala. And it people in the audience came up to me afterwards. And then the more people that said, I understand what you're doing, it kept, it kept coming back to the military. It was really interesting to me, mm. my mindset. Um, and they said, the way you think makes sense to us. And my kids both did extremely well in boot camp. My daughter took first place. And they said, because mom, the way you raised us, like the discipline and the, you know, self-accountability and the self-motivation and the, you know, don't blame anybody else. And if I ask you to do it again, you're going to be doing push-ups literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it just seemed to resonate. Um, and I'm really fortunate. Like I feel really, you know, when you find people that you understand, um, yeah. I work with also CEOs and I work with different groups. Um, and I love all of that. And I really, I feel like I found my home working with military and veteran, um, nonprofits. Yeah. Well, you know, your kids, aren't wrong when, when you're raised in that kind of environment and that kind of, I, I call it some of the greatest love, right. Is, is what people may refer to as, as hard love, but it's within those lessons that you grow exponentially. And, and I don't think there is a greater love. You can think of it as a football coach who's guiding their teammates, you know, and, and they're saying, Hey, why didn't you do this? You didn't catch the ball. You did this wrong. And, you know, but it's, it's a guidance and it's a teachable moment. And so as parents, I can relate with you a little bit, Abigail, because I too raised my children, um, on my own. So, uh, I was sometimes referred to as the militaristic mother, <laughs> but you know, it's just, we want so much for them to do well and exceed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hard, right? Yeah. So people, parents who are still being parents, it's hard. It's hard to know what you're doing is the right thing. So just trust your gut. Um, I always like, you know, you've, you said love hard. And, and so like mine is um, love tough instead of tough love. So I love, I always lead with love. And then that toughness is right behind it. Like, and then we circle back to the love part. Yeah. Well, you do it to yourself. Like you said this morning, you know, I don't necessarily want to go to the gym right when I get out of bed, but I do it for myself 
So it's within doing those tough things that we show that we're loving ourselves and that just reflects onto everything in, on and around us. Right. 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 And it raises the um, resiliency. So, you know, I used to compete in triathlons and people like that's, that's what you do on your time off from raising kids and running a company. I'm like, yeah, because that's for me. And I need, when I work out, I like to work out hard and it gets more endorphins going. It gets, you know, my happy meter up, um, like a slow walk on the neighborhood is lovely, but that doesn't change my mindset. It doesn't Mm -hmm. rewire my brain. It doesn't help me work out those angst of when I don't feel like getting up. Right. Like it gets that fighter in me going. And, um, and it reminds me if I choose to do tough stuff, like I, I'm a big, don't think like a victim. So if I choose to do tough stuff, I can prove to myself, I may come back beat up (laughs) and worn out or something, but I chose to do it and I got it done right? Versus a victim mentality is I can't do hard things. I would break if I did. Um, yeah. That That's too dangerous. It's too much. Um, instead, remove those barriers and say, why not? Why can't I do it? And if it's triathlon, maybe it doesn't have to be an Ironman. It can be a sprint. It can be a short one. It can be in your own neighborhood. It doesn't have to be a sign up and compete, right? But don't limit yourself Um, because then you start limiting yourself in so many different ways. And that's what I train about mindset. It's how you think about challenges. It's how you think about yourself. It's how you think about the world um, that helps you decide if you are going to become a thriver and successful or your world is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Absolutely. Um, Abigail, we have a comment that came through. It looks like, I don't know if you if you believe in things happening for a reason, but it looks like one of our guests today happens to maybe know you. Julie Ulstrup said, oh my gosh, Gail and I grew up together. She was one of my sister's best friends. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I don't go by that name, but that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and so her sister and I were on the gymnastic team together and that's fabulous. That is. So yeah. wanted to bring that in real quick. Hello. Just Julie, to- Julie. Hello. <laughs> so uh, let's let's go into this purple threads because you've mentioned it a number of times. And tell me about, you know, here's your logo for it. Tell me how did you really get into this? I know that it was the pre-military, and then you started talking about it and people were resonating with it. And there was desire there, need, understanding. So Let's talk a little bit more about your purple threads. I would love to. Thank you. So people always say, first of all, why purple, right? Like, and so purple is represents again, color theory, purple represents courage. And so Mm -hmm. it absolutely takes courage to look within, right? To be noble and look within and say, where can I do better? What is holding me back? Um, My mom was a knitter. And so what I envisioned and I explained, especially like when my kids were little, um, is that when people tell you a false or a lie or something out of jealousy, they tell you you can't do something, that's a purple thread. And if you allow that person or you don't know any better because most of us don't, right, like that, especially me as a kid, that those were lies. You look at people that you're supposed to trust, parents, coaches, teachers, Mm right? Right. And so you believe them. That's we're supposed to believe the people that we're entrusting with our lives. But what happens is that they weave these lies into you so much that you believe them as truth. 
you believe you're purple, your sweater is all purple. And because you don't want to be these limiting thoughts, you don't want to be these negative things, you will hide from the world. You'll either play bigger, more braggadocious, more arrogant than you really are. You'll play mm -hmm. smaller and more meek than what you really are. And the key is you're in the, you have power and control over what color, again, that logo you get to be. So the full definition of purple threads, as you can see, is limiting personal thoughts connected to past traumas that become physiologically tied to what we think, say, do. Think mm -hmm. is cognitive, say is communication, and do is behavioral. So once we recognize what those are connected to, we have the choice to remove them. We have the choice to yank them out <laughs> and be like, no longer, or, and we have the choice to rewire in something that's more positive. So I'm stupid and I'm dumb. No, that's a lie. I, I was and am dyslexic. It just takes me a little longer. I just count on spell check. I have to read it several, several, several <laughs> times. And then I can still have a spelling mistake in there. But yeah. you have a team around you, right? So instead of saying, oh, I'm so stupid, say, wow, I love my creative brain. And I can bring in resources to help me. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I it, this reminds me so much the think, say, and do of Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with, yes. but yeah, it's those. Everything is so reoccurring, and and to me, I can think of it, you know, with my law enforcement background, like the cycle of violence, right? Where, you know, no matter how much you try to assist somebody and you give them all of the resources and all of the outs, they eventually come back through that cycle of violence. And much like, you know, you experienced with your ex where mm -hmm. he just keeps kind of coming back around until you stop the, the common, well, let's say thread, right? And so, yeah, it's just those things that reoccur and we we're not even aware of it until we are, but it goes back to you building the awareness aspect first. Right. Absolutely. And the reason those cycles continue is because you don't see them. They look different. Mm -hmm. So instead of it being like a cycle, it's more like a figure eight and it's very confusing and you don't understand it. So one of the courses I teach to Navy leadership um, is about healthy leadership to, for a workplace environment. And we talk about what are manipulators? What are the games they play? What are the tricks they use? And I can tell you 50% of the leaders in that room will raise their hand and they'll say, that's how I was raised. That's how my boss was. And that's how I treat everyone mm -hmm. around me. I thought that's what I had to be in order to be successful. And we teach the other half of the room to be able to spot it, see it, know how to stop it, know how to stand up to it, know how not to let that weave anything into them and not get attached to it so that you get caught in yet a slightly different cycle. So child abuse, domestic violence, like they can set, look so simple from the outside, right? But when you're in it, it's very confusing because your brain has been wired to um, that you are wrong and that you deserve this and there's no way out. No one's going to believe you right? And you get addicted almost to those highs and lows, like walking on eggshells is your norm. So when it gets really mm -hmm. quiet, that gets scary. When there's chaos, when you grow up with chaos, you're used to it and you know when to duck and you know when to do things, you know, like, okay, it's gone two weeks since my dad had his last blow up. So um, that could, it's going to, it's coming around the corner, right? Um, but when it's super quiet, 
it, there is a, a hard thing and we have to go get help to understand what is new normal. What is a healthy normal mm -hmm. so that we don't keep going back to the chaos because that feels comfortable and normal. Yeah. When you talk about the highs and the lows, it also brings me back to similar training that I had when I first started in law enforcement. They said that you're going to experience extreme highs and extreme lows on the job. You know, one minute you're running lights and sirens and you're dealing with this intense situation and the next minute everything is very dull or you go home at night and life is really dull. So like you said, you really have to learn how to navigate that new way of being. So that being said, Abigail, I'm curious to know what is so appealing of your services to military personnel? Um, it's authentic. It's authentic. Um, I've been called strong many, many times in my life. I am a very strong person. I like being strong and I work really hard to be strong. And people want to be strong. The difference is I don't want to be tough. Tough means I'm guarded, I'm walled. I have this exterior. I don't let people in. Tough means I don't know how to ask for help. I still work on that one, personally, self-confession. Um, but there's a difference between the two. And we're not often taught what is the difference between being strong and being tough. And so being strong is where you can have that love, both give and receive. You can have trust, both give and receive. You can have belonging and unity and all those beautiful words that you had on the intro video coming in. You can have those because you know you deserve them, right? And then I help put the language to it. I help people understand why they may not have believed that they deserve that, right? Well, I did this so-and-so uh, thing. I grew up in this way, right? Well, that's all in the past. And so once we can overcome that, once we can understand that and be grateful for it, that's another key thing is learning how to change that into gratitude mm -hmm. so that you can truly forgive and push it down, push it away into the back, clean, all cleaned up and move forward. Um, and we don't, it's not conversations that we normally have. And I'm able to have those tough conversations and also that tough love where you can call somebody out on it and say, I know that works on other people. That's not going to work on me. Tell me what's really going on. What are you thinking right now? Cause this is the person that I want to you to show up to the world. Not, not this person. You still are tough and are strong. You're still strong and you still get the job done. I have huge admiration for law enforcement, for our first responders. I have huge respect for our military. You guys have a tough job. You have to be able to compartmentalize, right? You have to be able to put that to the side. And you also have to have a side where then when you do get home, you can process through it. And I think that's what I help people do in a way that still keeps them tough, the strong, which keeps them strong and keeps them committed to staying strong um, versus buckling it all down. Right. Yep. Don't stuff it down and to be able to just keep going in order to be your best self and to serve around you. Because if you can't serve yourself, you can't serve others. So that is wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to go a little bit more into another aspect and we'll wait until after we get back from this brief commercial. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, Abigail. Now, leading others for a consistent time period, years after years after years after years, can sometimes be a challenge because life happens, right? Because we don't always get clear with, you know, the green lights and all of the wonderful things happening and you're on cloud nine. So things happen. Sometimes it's not always easy to lead. And it sounds to me like you've been doing that. What are some of the things that you're doing on a daily basis to help you be in control of yourself? Ah, wonderful. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to word it. Uh, not overcommit. <laughs> I tend to volunteer and help quite a bit, which I love doing and I encourage people to do. And, you know, I'm still working on myself, right? Like I certainly don't have all the answers. And that's what I love is like being on a show like yours. I learned so much from you. I learned so much from the people I coach. I learn from the books that I read. And how do we get better? And for me, one of the things I'm working on is not to overcommit to too many things or volunteer too much. Um, having more structure, I tend to be like, oh yeah, we can do this. Oh, one more thing, we can do that. Um, but structuring my time. So I finally buckled and then using Calendly to make all of my coaching calls uh, with this with sort of special operators transition foundation, the fellows that I coach um, so that it structures my time and day so I can fit more in and be more productive without feeling that scrambling feeling. Um, so that's something that I do for myself that helps uh, bringing the right people, the right team around me. I have an amazing team. Danielle is my right hand person. I mean, she's fabulous. Uh, she works her magic behind the scenes. I have a new bookkeeper coming on board who is fabulous and she's working her magic behind the scenes. Um, so having a small team that you highly trust mm. feels really good to me. Like people that I know I absolutely can count on feels really good to me and um, bringing them on board and investing the time and the energy to make sure that everybody has, um, it's hard to say a culture with three, like basically three some people, but there is a culture and, mm -hmm. and to, man, to maintain that and build it. Um, those are things that I really like and I really thrive when I do that. Um, making sure I get enough sunshine and outside and working out. Um, it's about here in Colorado, we've had a horrifically rain, uh, hailstorm environment. So we're finally outside again. So we're doing yoga in the park and music and concerts in the park. Um, making sure I do things that truly bring me joy that are very opposite of coaching and talking about purple threads and adverse spiral from everything from stress to thoughts mm. of suicide. Like I have to make sure I balance that. And when I find that I'm volunteering a lot, I don't balance that. And I get worn out. Yeah, absolutely. And you've mentioned so much about teams and delegating and building, like you said, a culture, mission statements, values, where you're all on the same page and how incredibly helpful that is. It's empowering when we know that we have, you know, a couple right-hand mans that are able to have our back be in the corner of the ring with us. And so I also love the sunshine and outdoors piece because I too, with the Colorado native, I, I just, that is so important, so key to me. So I understand that bit and piece too. I was gonna bring in one of our comments and Manly said, I think that's very profound. We are often not taught and we definitely need development and training to process life's complexities. 
life is hard to navigate without a map. Yeah. And without the right tools to fix it. Right. So you can't throw a hammer at every single situation. And one of the things I think in our culture, we especially tell boys like, you know, um, you know, suck it up. That's big in the military too, but like, you know, boys don't cry. Um, and, uh, you're the man of the house now. I mean, my son was two, you know? And so we put this unfounded pressure on little, like on boys. And, um, I see this cause you know, the special operator community is pre predominantly all female that are all male that I'm working with. Right. And so I can see that over and over that they're not given the tools. They're just, they're just told to be, as I was saying, tough. Right. And like, yeah get through it. And that can become too much like my working all the time, volunteering all the time, you get your mindset. It's almost like you get on this loop and you forget to step away or you don't know how to step away. Um, one of the things I taught my son when he was really little was a good cry. You know, tears are adrenaline. That's like your body is dumping it out and you're like, I'm done. I'm over the situation. It all caught up to me. Going to have a good cry. Now I'm done. And I allow myself to do that on runs. Like if I'm trail running and I'm thinking and processing in this and this hurdle, and what about this financial problem? And well, like the world is hard. We have a yeah. lot of things going on in our head. And if you feel it coming up, go ahead, scream, cry, yell, laugh, dance, um, journal it, call a friend, uh, do whatever it is you need to do to help with that staying on the right trail. Um, so I loved his, I love that comment. I thought that was great. And finding your map and where, figure out where do you want to go? What's your destination, right? A lot of times we just take life as it comes versus like driving on a map where we want to go and then getting resources and stopping and asking for help along the way. Yeah. So Abigail, you help so many people. Is there a favorite success story that you have? I am very blessed that I have a lot. Um, one of them was Wounded Warrior Project. So uh, I was, I co-developed a program for that healing and empowerment. It was a monthly program during COVID. It turned to be one of their best uh, national or like virtual programs during that time. So we did it for two years. And there was a young Marine and she sounded like my daughter. Like she just... She wouldn't come on camera. She would very, she would chat in the chat box. She would have little things to say. And at, and so I always give homework, right? Like those tools, where, where are you going on your map and what tools are you picking up? Here are the tools I want you to take. Here are the tools you're going to practice till next month. And so I gave the tools and she, she said, may I come on camera? And of course I'm like, uh, yes, please. And so she jumps on camera and, um, she, she's like, it's very dark. She has a hat on, she has a blanket wrapped around her. Like you can't really see who she is. And she said, I quickly want to say these tools out loud because I need some accountability. And I said, I'm writing them down and I'm going to check on you next month. Ready, go. And she started listing all the tools. And the last tool that she said was, I'm going to starting this moment is the first time I felt like I'm going to love myself. And of course, we we're all like, yay, that's so wonderful. And like hearts and, you know, all this kind of chat box stuff. And she says, and, um, and she goes, and today was the day that it was, I was going to end it. And like to know that you help someone 
especially someone who reminds you someone that is so beloved to you, right? Mm. He said to be told that like when she said all that stuff, I know how hard that was, but to know that this was the day and she had never heard of empowerment, like the healing and empowerment class. Like, so she's like, I decided I was going to take this, um, today before I did it. And like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's no greater feeling of service when, when you've hit that deep. And that is such a beautiful thing that you are out there and sharing these ideas with others and building that awareness. And self-love is one of the first places to start that makes the greatest impact on your journey to self-development and that's how I feel anyway. And and that's one of those pieces that is one of the most difficult to get through when you've had all of these years and just been ingrained where we don't know how to love ourselves or we're taught that we shouldn't because that's not societal standards to be concentrating on you. And so that is such an incredible, powerful moment. Thank you so much for sharing. And I, I hope that she listens to this someday and just feels that, you know, she was here. She's here for a reason and to make an impact on others as well. Absolutely. And, and it had a huge impact on everyone. And I'm like, guys, that's why we keep reaching out. That's why you invite people to the party. That's why when someone looks like, they're not wanting to talk or something, acknowledge them, make eye contact, smile at them, wish them a good day. You don't know if that's the only person who talks to them for that whole day, right? Right. So self-love, well, I love that you bring that up. It's one of the questions I ask the fellows and do you love yourself? And so I send them a questionnaire that they have to fill out before they can meet with me. And most of the time they're like, what is this, right? Right. And they don't know purple threads. They don't know how I'm going to weave it into their, to their coaching sessions. And it's interesting, the variety of answers. Um, Most of them are like, haven't ever thought of that. Um, No, uh, I'm working on it. Um, Some are yes, but I'm not sure what that really looks like. Mm. I love that we can ask, what does self-love look like? What does kind to ourselves look like? Being kind to myself is not running around and helping everybody else to my own detriment and exhaustion, right? And so we are, you guys, especially in the first responder community and the military, you're serving others. Um, As a solo parent, you know this too, you serve your kids before you serve yourself. Like you're always taking care of the people around you. Um, And ideally they're also taking care of you too, but at the end of the day, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to keep our minds strong, our spirits strong, our bodies strong. Um, well, yeah. and it's a trickle effect you know, yeah. when we do that and you, you send that smile and it, it really does help somebody else elevate to that level. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, so cool. Thank you very much for sharing that. And you, you have some really fun hobbies that I want to shed some light on because I too love to hike. I mean, 
go figure coming from Colorado and having these incredible mountains, you might as well climb the rock, right? <laughs> but you have extended that into some other world travel. You want to highlight that for me? Yeah, yeah. I love traveling. Love, love, love it. So I'm a big hiker. I've always been a big hiker. Um, I just got back from two weeks in Israel and I was thinking, Israel, like, really? Is there hiking? Oh my gosh, two of the most amazing life experiences of hiking I, I've had in Israel. Um, one was Ayan Gedi. And so there's these natural waterfalls and oases of cool water ponds that you can go and float in and sink in. And the water is cold. You're in the middle of the desert. It's stinking hot. And so the moment you get out, you like get yourself completely soaking wet. So you cool off. By the time you walk to the next um, waterfall, you're you're sweating. Your shirt is completely dry mm -hmm. uh, and you can't wait to dive into that pond uh, and cool off again. But that was magical. And there was a huge, huge cave that you can climb down, um, you know, down over the rocks and into that. And it was absolutely magical. It was magical. And then the other extreme end of that was Masada, um, hiking up to Masada before sunrise. So we were, we got up at three in the morning, left the hotel at three 30 to drive to Masada, um, to hike to the very top. Um, and there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of, it went from, um, really opulent wealth and luxury to, as most people will know that are in the military, there was a mass suicide, um, by, I think it was 900, um, people and the Romans were there and like, it's just this incredible change of history and culture and to be up there on this high bluff. Um, it kind of looked like the Grand Canyon in some ways, not nearly as magical, in my opinion, hiking the Grand Canyon, but it was not what I was expecting in Israel. And so to me, that's the joy of hiking. You find all these beautiful places, new experiences. You get there under your own power, your own legwork, right? And um, some of the most beautiful scenes, you have to work hard. You have to hike way back. You have to go through hot desert. You have to, you know, scale a 14er. You have to, um, you know, go to places that other people aren't willing to go to see some magnificent sights. And you learn a lot as you're on the trail about yourself. Yeah, you do. And I really like how you describe that. And it goes back to, to my my word, my descriptive word of curiosity. You know, that's one of the things I love about hiking. It's like, okay, it all looks different. So what am I going to find around this corner? And, you know, what's at the peak? And so it, not only that, but the way it feels, do you want to describe what does it feel like when you're pushing your body to, to those extents? Well, I love it. There's um, a place up near Breckenridge and, um, I call it Machu Picchu because I don't always remember the name of the trails. Like I have some friends that we all hike together and one of my friends is extremely good at knowing the distance and she's always navigating and everything. Uh, and she's really good at that. I did it. Um, one of them, you go straight up, you go along this waterfall, gorgeous, gorgeous spring flowers from in Colorado that are covering it. It's just, it's magnificent. And you can continue up and up and up and you turn a sharp turn to the left or to the right and you go up and up and up. And then you see this straight up green section and the trail just zigzags. And it kind of looks like I've not been to Machu, Machu Picchu, but that's on my list, but it looks like that. And the first time I hiked it, I was going, going, and then I would stop. And I was like, what is my problem? I'm so out of breath. I shouldn't be this tired. 
right? And I wasn't even recognizing in myself I was saying that. I was like, what's happening? Like, okay, you're at altitude. No, 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 I shouldn't be this tired. And so then I did that. I probably did. I broke it up into three sections and I got to the top and I looked back down and it's like this, it's super steep. And I'm like, please don't be hard on yourself. Of course, you're going to stop for oxygen and air. You've already hiked a couple of miles to get up to this point. And it's super slick and small little single track straight up. Like, and, and so when we catch ourselves doing that, then we immediately have to say, nope, nope. Like I did a great job. Um, it's not about who gets up here the fastest. And, um, and like, why do I do that? And I tend to be too hard on myself. So it was a mental note to myself. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. And your goal is to enjoy this day. The yeah. goal is to see the wildflowers. The goal is to get a great cardio workout. The goal is to be disconnected from work and electronics and, and all yeah. that. And I met all those goals. Um, but it did shock me when I turned and got to the top and looked down. So I wonder when people do that to themselves, do they stop and look back and say, I was just being too hard on myself. Yep. There's a lesson there. Absolutely. Look how far you've come. And it is the journey. Yeah. It's a journey. It's okay to go slower and everything will get done in its time. So yes, I love that you're a hiker. I knew that um, that was definitely something that drew us together. And so tell me, tell us the audience, what's the best way to find out about you? And I know that you offer your services to corporate, military, et cetera. You go and you talk around the world, but what are the things that you do to branch out to anybody, anybody? I did leave your website here for everyone to check out, and that is www.abigailgmanning.com. That is also in the description. But tell us in your own words, Abigail, what, what services do you bring forth? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. You know, the thing I don't like doing is sales and marketing and like, hi, this is what I do. Like, like I like helping and serving. And so thank you for the opportunity for people to look into the information if they're interested. Um, three main categories, keynote speaking. So I, I uh, have three different keynotes that I can do. I also do customized keynote speaking for events. People know what that is. Uh, workshops, I love doing workshops. So we're branching to make those into more of a retreat, like a couple days. I would love to do that in beautiful wilderness mm. areas. So let me know if you're interested. Um, but I teach quite a few different workshops. And then the one-on-one -on -one coaching um, that I do about transition, how to have the right mindset in transition from if it's being a cadet into the military, like as a special operator, if it's a special operator going into becoming a veteran and working in the civilian world, um, if it's parents who are now empty nester, uh, transition is a really tricky time that can pull purple threads and really trigger a lot of stress, which is the first step of the adverse spiral. So I yeah. think it's critical for us to recognize that where it's in our thought, our feelings and in our body. Um, and then how to have the right tools and, and the right roadmap. So those are the three main things that I do are keynotes, workshops, and then one-on-one -on -one coaching. Oh, I like that. And I like that you're starting to branch off into, you know, where you're getting together and you're doing group things out in nature. That's so fun. That's definitely up my alley. And you're correct. The transitions in life, uh, you know, when we have some tools to navigate around those things, it makes it so much easier, you know, and transitions, I don't think people really know until they're in it, right? They don't, it, it happens 
either really quickly or you just don't think that it's going to have the effect that it does. Moving, career change, job loss, you know, all of those things can happen very quickly. And you think that you can just handle it, but those tools and those resources are really key and nice to have. That's a comment I hear all the time. People are like, I planned for this. I knew it was coming. And then all of a sudden it was here. And what happens is it triggers old things. So if you're on a tight knit team and you lose a job that you mentioned, then you're all of a sudden at home, especially if you're a single person. Now you're sitting at home. Now you're not commuting, maybe on a bus or a train with other people. You're really self-isolated. Um, everything changes very quickly and that can trigger things like abandonment that can trigger neglect those old feelings. And what happens is then we go into survival mode. And when we go to survival mode, that's not our success mode. That's when we're reacting to situations. We're not responding with thought and care and plan. We're just kind of like falling backwards almost and trying to catch ourselves. And, um, so my goal is to help people in transition, recognize grief and loss, recognize strong and tough, recognize um, being cut out all of a sudden overnight from teens, from an environment, from a family. Maybe you're disowned from a family or maybe there's a death in the family. Maybe there's the uh, kids are gone and they don't come back. Um, you know, like my kids in the military, they don't, they don't come back for Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the things that I would love for them to, but yeah, that is tough. That's you know, very tough. Yeah. But you make it happen, right? Like you make you it, do. make it work. Um, you you can, it's, it's nice to start creating new traditions and habits when things like that start to happen, when you don't have the kids and you've done the same thing forever and all of a sudden you have to switch gears and do something different. I think that's kind of a nice little uh, tip that people can do is, okay, now what, what else can we create that's different and exciting? So I love all the services that you bring forth, Abigail. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? And I just wanted to notate, you are in the perfect timing for all of this too. I know you've been doing it a while, but you know the entire planet has gone through a major transition and shift as we all know. But yes, is there anything else you want to leave with us today? Um, yeah, I would love to. Believe in yourself, love yourself. Um, if you find yourself struggling and hitting some of the same obstacles, it's okay. It's totally, totally normal. And then get some extra resources. And so this, this podcast, this program, the programs that you offer are fabulous to be able to help that. Um, I'd be happy to help if people want to reach out to me. I have a free newsletter that I send tips and techniques and storytelling. Um, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. But believe in yourself and you deserve to thrive. You deserve to have beautiful resources around you and people that believe in you. So, um, yeah, don't don't stop until you get where all of your colors are shining brightly and um, and you're really enjoying life again. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Abigail, for being on the Wellness Driven Life Show. And thank you again for everything. Thank you to our audience and goodbye for now. We will see you later.